We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to quickly let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today. Adam Kipnis collects information, data, and strategies so he can help businesses map out a process to success. He traces the beginnings of his career as a business coach to the recession of 2008, where he and his wife started attending business seminars for professional and personal development. He soaked up all he learned and realized that he could use the information with his experiences he already had to help businesses improve their processes. Adam embraces the term coach, explaining that he sees a good coach as one who gives someone real-time authentic feedback and asks good questions as well as offers possible solutions. He relies on his network of successful entrepreneurs to help bolster the advice and plans he offers his clients. Adam is all about planning and process, challenging the entrepreneurs he works with to make goals into expectations, and then to map out the action steps they'll take to get there, anticipating both the worst and best case scenarios. Adam practices what he preaches as he employs several coaches to help him be accountable as well. Now, let's get better together. Adam Kipnis. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. Yeah, and um, thanks for being on. Um, I'm just kind of, well, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Usually I'm pretty good about where to start, um, but we had talked a little bit ahead of time, and you know, you, you're, you're a coach, and what's interesting about coaches is that they usually have a wide variety of skills and experiences and like that's what makes people a good coach because like wow you've seen it all right um but before we get through all that and i try to figure out what to talk to you about um why don't uh you give me a quick uh quick like synopsis on how you came to do what you're doing today appreciate it and and you know coaching coaches personally i think an overused term right now everyone you know Lots of 20-year-olds are being life coaches. Um, not that they're not good at what, what you need, but the term coach has gotten overused. I think the concept, though, is really important, or at least it's important to me, and that's how do we see the unseen? How do we, how do we see what we're not paying attention to? Michael Jordan said his biggest value of a coach is he can watch himself on tape and figure out what it is he needs to, to do but if he has a coach watching him that can say in real time, in the middle of a game, you're opening up your fingers on your jump shot 
or you're closing up your fingers, whichever it is that makes a better jump shot. <laughs> um, right. If, if I can do that real time, now I can implement it right away rather than going back and thinking about it. So I think that's the real value that, that I bring to my clients is that real time thought partner, uh, that real time advice. You know, I, I'm a big believer that I can change any business with one idea, one question or one conversation. That's how I sort of start my days. And if I ask a smart question or two, you're going to talk about things in a different way and hopefully it benefits your business because now we can implement something different. And, and getting here uh, was really a, a, a journey that I didn't know I was taking. I worked with, for the last 20 years, I've worked with business owners. It started out really in an operational capacity. They utilized the platform that, that I had for operational efficiency. So I was more of a vendor. I was more of just a, a servant in some ways to <laughs> their needs. Right. And, right. and in that process, I, was, you know, I got to learn about small business. I went to work for one of my clients at one point. And, and so I got to see how it worked, but I never thought about myself as, as an entrepreneur. That was not in, in, my, in my personal ethos. It was the, um, I was an employee and I did the, the best I could to serve my clients. And then back in 2010, 11, when the financial crisis hit, you know, firms were cutting back, firms were going out of business. My wife saw an ad on Facebook, right? That's where, that's where it all starts on uh, real estate investing. And I'm in Phoenix, so taking advantage of the opportunities that, uh, unfortunately, a recession presents in the real estate market. Through that process, I, I was flipping some houses and, and doing some other stuff on the real estate side, but I, I went to an event. And at this event, lots of great speakers, big names talking about business, and I was furiously writing notes things that hopefully I could you know, bring back for operational efficiency, what was in my head. And as with most events, there was a big you know, sale at the end. Now that you've learned all this, now become part of our community, we can teach you all these things. And it was for coaching. And that word did not ring a bell outside of the sports world. And so, I, but I needed some support in the, in the real estate world. And so I hired this, this firm and I started getting coaching. And then I started thinking to myself, well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I didn't know I was doing it until oh, wow. I saw someone else do it. Right, right, right. And, and so I was like, oh, I guess I'm a coach. And this was the beginning of sort of coaching being, you know, the whatever, new Coke or whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, yeah, not the uh, new Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. And then I found myself going to more and more events. My wife and I became seminar junkies. Instead of going on vacation, we would go to these different events, learn lots of stuff. And what I found is I would hear these things from, you know, brilliant speakers, Steve Wozniak, uh, the guy who wrote the book on the Ritz-Carlton, all these things that would pop in my head. A client would say, I'm having problems here. or I need this. I would able, be able to pull. I was like, well, I saw so-and-so speak and here's something we can try. And so more of these events that I went to, it built my knowledge and my support of businesses. And then it went from operational to structural to mindset and what I do really right now, which is focusing on strategic and marketing planning. I'm able to take the real life experiences of my clients, the experiences that I've heard other people pay. I've got my own podcast, The Entrepreneur's MBA Lessons You Can't Learn in School, where I interview business owners much like yourself. They tell me things and I'm able to bring all of this into my business in support of my clients. So I essentially became a coach because I've got a wealth of knowledge and business owners have a wealth of questions and those two things come together. So that's my long winded way of how did I get to where I am in, in a, from a coaching standpoint, an entrepreneurial standpoint is a whole separate question. Yeah. No, I mean, that's really, it's really cool that you you and your wife became, uh, junkies on the uh, lecture circuit or I guess it would be like you know there's all these great speakers that you can like listen to and they have you know now now during COVID all that's gone but uh well, right. what were some of these events that you would go to that were did you go all around the country for them yep we went all around the country there there are a couple um 
One was called Mega Partnering. That was the first one I went to. Uh, it's changed forms a little bit. And now it's all online, but it was just speaker after speaker for four days. And big names, or at least big names at the time, um, sometimes some, some smaller people that we hadn't heard of. And that led it from one event to the next event where we met people and they're like, hey, come to my event. And once you get on in sort of the event world, it's a very small world. You get to see the same people over and over, right? It's personal development. It's business development. Then we got introduced to an event called Secret Knock. Secret Knock is in San Diego. You got to know the Secret Knock to get in. It's invite <laughs> only kind of a deal. Um, and that event is not quite, it's not formal. Like it's not people sitting on stage um, presenting, top, talking about business concepts. It's everyone in a room. It's a little bit personal development, a little bit business, a little bit carnival. People are there. Some people in t-shirts and shorts, some people in suits and ties sort of come as you are. And the host will, you know, talk about business concepts, talk about personal development concept, concepts. This guy, Greg Reed, became a good friend of mine. He would invite people up to the stage and they would either speak or interview them. But they're people that are sitting at your table, right? You could be sitting at the same table as literally people who have owned billion-dollar businesses. And I'm not trying to oversell myself or overhype. I was sitting at a table at this event, and we were, you know, hanging out. You're talking to the people around you, and one of the people sitting at the table gets called up on stage. I didn't know who he was. I knew his name was Alec, but I didn't know who he was or what he did. Uh, we were just sort of socializing and uh, eating popcorn. Well, it turns out he started the company Constant Contact. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. Right. You know, and for those who don't know, Constant Contact is an automated email marketing system. Well, not only did he start Constant Contact, he and his partners essentially invented the industry. There was no automated email system back 20 years ago when he started the company. So he created an entire category um, ended up doing an IPO, ended up selling the company for a billion two or something like that. Wow. Right. And so he's just sitting there right next to you. And so that's been our go-to event and I've no problem hyping uh, secretknock.co for Greg. He's a, he's a good friend. It's my favorite event to go to. Hopefully in 2021, we can get back to it. Let's hope so. And, Let's and, hope and so. see people live, you know, but that world, instead of going on vacation, we would go to San Diego two days at this conference, Secret Knock, and two days at the beach. Or we would go to something in Orlando, or we'd go to something in, in New York. We try to stay on the West Coast just because it's easy for Phoenix to get there and it's cheap. But we've been to events in, in Vegas. And when you go to these events, the amount that you learn, like just the, the knowledge, even if you don't take any notes, even if you don't really pay attention, as a business owner, what you're going to learn just through the people you meet and the struggles they're going through and the wins they've had, that's been huge for me. And I bring it back to my clients. So a lot of my clients don't have to go to events and spend the money on them. I get to go and then bring that information back to my clients. So uh, it's, it's been a, a remarkable experience and the people I've gotten to know that are now in my cell phone. Like if I need advice, I get to call up Alec and be like, Hey, how are you? You know, what are you doing? What are you working on? Yeah. And we've got, we're in a, a business together so, you know, with human growth hormone. We've got the only topical FDA registered human growth hormone oh, product, wow. not just for baseball players anymore. <laughs> but the, the things that human growth hormone does for the body is great. Now I get to be in business with a guy who sold his company for a billion dollars. I don't think this is going to go to a billion dollars for me, but hey, if he wants to be partners with me and support me, I'm taking that all day long. Yeah. I mean that that's actually that's that's super fascinating because it's sort of the kind of like this peer mentoring coaching teaching like once you're in the circle of all of that I agree I mean you learn a lot I mean every time I've ever gone to a conference or an event um who I sit next to is always fascinating even if they're not billion billionaires or whatever you always kind of learn a little tidbit and i think that's the beauty of these in-person ones where it's not the conference it's actually the hallway conversation and i hope that you know we can do that since again we're still in lockdown but i think it's important that kind of personal connection and, and you mentioned a lot about how you love to kind of like learn about all this and collect all this data in your head uh, so that you can 
you know, help other people and, you know, coach them through or teach them or mentor them. Um, Do you have like a, you said you take a lot of notes. Do you have another process that sort of allows you to synthesize all this? Because I mean, it must either you've got a photographic memory. Maybe you do. <laughs> I do not. Oh, okay. Do not. Okay. Because uh, for me, it would be overwhelming, even though, man, there must be like just the amount of information that's coming at you just must be in some cases overwhelming. It it, it can be very much overwhelming. Now I happen to, um, have a brain that processes it. We all process things in different ways. So mine's no better than anybody else's. I just happen to remember stuff. Uh, my sister blows me away on it. Like she'll remember not only where you guys met, but what day of the week it was and you know oh, what the wow. date was. Hers is silly in terms of what she remembers, but mine tends to hold this information and it allows me to bring it out at the right time. But what it's done, you know, in any business, you need, you need to have a process. Right. And a lot of businesses struggle. And that's why I have a job because they don't have a process and I get to come in and look at it and say, all right, let's let's write this out. Let's plan this out. If our end goal is getting someone to buy something, we need a sales process to lead to that. If my end goal is we need to ship a widget. Well, where does that start? It starts with, all right, I've got to put my hunk of metal into my widget machine. So it spits out a widget and then it goes into shipping and it goes out. Right. So everything needs a process. So for me in my business, all of this information, all the notes I've taken, all the people I've met, like it's really helped me hone my process. And I continuously look at what I'm doing, where I support my clients and has fit into a nice little perfect box that now I can go deliver. How I deliver it with all of my clients is always different, right? Because different businesses have different needs, different personalities, different sizes, but I start from the same model, which I call my custom model, only because it spells custom. And in the, <laughs> in the custom model, um, right? Some people need the C, some people need the M, but every piece of them is touched through my planning process using that model. Okay. So, so the importance of models and systems to kind of <clears throat> synthesize all this information uh, and then apply it. Uh, to whoever may need your help um, seems like, I mean, yeah, it's, that's, that's such an interesting, well, let me back up. I know most businesses don't have a lot of process. (laughs) I mean, I remember (laughs) uh, like my ex-wife's family, they, uh, they had a machine shop and their machine shop business was, I mean, it was run on a, it almost felt like a napkin, you know, because <laughs> everything was like, ah. <laughs> uh, and so I remember they asked me, hey, do you think you could do do an online accounting for us? Like, like simple, right? I mean, and I just remember having to teach my then, you know, mother-in-law who, who's now passed on um, how to do this. And it just like opened her eyes. <laughs> once. It was like, oh, this could be so much easier. Like, I don't have to like write stuff down. So how, how? How how does that process go when someone's like, you know, like as an example, how do they come to you and, and know that they need your help? Because I know with, with that machine shop business, they didn't really see it until I said, you know, you could probably do it a different way and be better at it, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. So um, normal world, obviously I, I'm out and about. I speak on stages. I've hosted my own events and invited people to it. And everybody, every business has a need. And it's figuring out, you know, what, what is that need? What, what is that pressure point? For a lot of folks, they want to make more money, right? They want to grow. They need, they need leads or they, they need to do marketing, right? So a lot of my touch points are, are marketing and growth related in terms of, um, you know, I have a process for any, anybody listening. I can show you thirty to fifty thousand dollars in new business for your company without spending any money on marketing or advertising, and I'll do it in one hour, and I'll do it for free. So if you if you reach out to me, you can at Adam at CoachWithAK.com. I'll show you ten to fifty thousand dollars, thirty to fifty thousand dollars, typically in your business. Wow. Right. So that, that's one, you know, hook. Right. Right. Um, 
Another hook, depending on the audience, if I'm if I'm talking to people whose businesses are doing five hundred thousand, a million, ten thousand bucks, thirty thousand dollars, it'd be great. But that's not something that's turning the dial. They're like, that sounds fantastic, but I'm 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 broken, right? We, we can't <laughs> even fulfill the work that we yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that's the other type. Yeah, for sure. Right, and 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 so. A lot of people, it's what I what I tell people about my planning business is, um, you know, I facilitate, create, and implement strategic plans for you and your team, so everyone knows what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're going to do it. And a lot of businesses instantly are like, "I need that," right? Everyone needs a strategic plan. Right. Right. Um, some people have it in their head. Right. Some people put it down on paper, but I think where the rubber really meets the road is as soon as a business, as you as a business owner have one other person that either relies on you for income or you're partnering with for um, as a joint venture, as long as there's one other person involved, guaranteed somebody doesn't know what's going on, <laughs> right? Because most business owners keep in their head or the machine shop you were talking oh, about, yeah, yeah. right? They're they're running it, but they've got employees that are running the machines. They've got people out there that may be that may be selling. But the the business owner has it all in their head. So as soon as I can, you know, pull that out of their head and say, the C in my custom model is to create the story. If you were 30 years in the future and writing a autobiography of your of your life, which I guess by definition is an autobiography, um, <laughs> And what what would you want that to say? Right. Like, let's paint a picture of the entire business. Where do we want it to go? Where are we now? Which is the most important thing. A lot of businesses will not admit to themselves or to other people, especially their employees, where the business is now. There's very little transparency in most businesses. So the receptionist doesn't know if the business is making millions of dollars. Chances are the receptionist thinks that they're business owner is killing it and going out on their yacht every day and he or she is sitting at the front desk making $12 an hour, right? If they knew that the business is not profitable, what could they do to be more, be of more value, right? Or maybe it's making X amount of money, but we want to make Y amount of money. So how do we admit where we are right now? We see a lot of people that make no money that tell the world that they're they're awesome. You see a lot of people that make a lot of money and they're terrified that the business is going to collapse the next day. So admit where you are. It's not good or bad. It's just the thing. It's just a starting point. And then where do you want to go? Then it's my job to come in and help you and your team build the necessary steps to get from A to Z. Right? That's the core of what I do. And in a normal world, I would take you, I would lock you in a room and you and the decision makers and employees of your business, the core businesses I work in are usually 15 people and below, 250,000 to 5 million, um, usually service providers versus, uh, versus uh, widget makers, manufacturing, brick and mortar. I work with a lot of service people. And over those two days, we map out the next three years of your business. Like we map out what are your goals? What do you want to end up? In order to get there, what initiatives do you have to put in place? And then what tactics serve those initiatives? So I have a very step-by-step process. And you walk out at the end of these two days and you have a one-page strategic plan where everybody knows what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're going to do it. And in COVID land, it's hard to get people on Zoom for eight hours a day, two days in a row. Oh, yeah. That's not going to work. So we spread it out a little bit. Usually it's over a month and we do a number of two and a half hour sessions to get to the same place. And maybe we don't have three years of, of visibility. We don't have one year of visibility. People need money right now. They need resources right now. They need support right now. So it's, all right, let's map out the next 90 days. We're going to start. What are you going to do over the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 90 days? And in 90 days, we're going to reassess. Hopefully, we'll be open for business, or we might have another 90-day sprint ahead of us. Right When we started this in, in March, it looked like hopefully in 90 days, we'll be getting back to normal. And for most states, it was. We can debate whether the news is right or wrong on, on some businesses opening and whether it was smart. 
but now in Arizona, we're we're locked down pretty much again. California's as well. A yeah. lot of the yeah, the, the heat, the hot states are 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 closing up again. Yep. So we've got another ninety days in front of us. Let's plan for those ninety days. Don't sit and struggle and and do nothing. You know that we're not on vacation. No. There is a tremendous amount of business being done, and hopefully, I can be a person that in one conversation, let's unlock it and see if I can be a value going forward. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, it is it is interesting that you talk about um, the importance of planning and strategy, even for short term. Uh, I think a lot of people miss out on that. Um, just because you have a plan doesn't mean you can't change your plan. Um, and I used to have a boss that would say you can't change a plan you don't have. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and, I mean, well, and, and, and the power of planning is not in that the plan is perfect. It's that the plan in process makes you go through the thought process steps in order to really understand where you're going. Um, and it seems like what you're doing is sort of scalable. So you need a five-year plan, a three-year plan, a one-year plan, 90-day plan. I mean, I can imagine maybe some of the clients that you're dealing with right now must be like, I don't know if I'm going to survive you know, the next 90 days as opposed to the next you know, three years because – a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people suffering and there's a lot of small business challenges now, especially I would think in the service business as well, depending on if you're a considered essential or whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, th- I think you nailed it. And I love the fact that, that, that you said that. So one, the planning, the success of the planning is threefold. Number one, it's the process. If you sit down and you do planning, whether it's hiring me or whether it's doing it yourself. If you say, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars between, you know, January, January, geez, July 14th <laughs> and 2020 and July 13th, 2021. I want a hundred grand. I want a million, whatever it is. It's like, all right, you write that down. I want a million bucks. All right. In order to, to get there, what do you need to do on this from a sales perspective? Right. A million bucks is 83,333 dollars um a month yeah okay and then you break that down to a day it's i don't know twenty eight hundred dollars a day i should know that number but it's twenty eight hundred <laughs> or so per day it's some so if like i need that. to make twenty eight hundred dollars a day how many of what i have to offer do i need um to sell yeah. so that's one part of it second part of it is all right how can i fulfill that do, am I going to need employees? Am I going to need a different supply chain, right? If I want to sell a million dollars personally, right? I need to do one of two things. I need to, one of three things. I need to hire people. I need to automate or I need to raise my prices, right? Yep. Those are my, my personal choices. So, all right, what am I going to do? That's part of the planning process. That question would not come up if you didn't have the stated end of your plan in mind. Right, right. And it's like, all right, so marketing is one vertical that we have to work on. Second vertical is operationally. How am I going to get people from the day I, I, I sell them, for lack of a better term, the day they engage with me right. to fulfillment, what do I have to do? How can I put steps in place to make that a process that's easier, that's a little bit more manageable, that I could hire someone, I could give to a virtual assistant, I could put into a computer program, right? How can I do that? And that's another vertical, all right? On the, um, the, the business itself side, do I need additional technologies? Do I need additional vendors? Do I need additional um, software programs, right? All of those questions come up when you have a plan. So the process makes these things come together. The second important thing about having a plan is now you know what you're doing, right? You don't wake up and check your email. You don't wake up and wonder what I'm going to do. You don't have to be reactionary and do whatever comes in your email box or whatever happens on your phone. Because when you wake up, you know what you're going to do. You know the steps that are going to be there. And now you've got a task list, for lack of a better term, of what you do today. And then the third part of the plan and this is where um, I loved what you said is plans aren't linear. 
right? I could say I want to make a million bucks and I've got to get new softwares and I've got to get new people and I need to sell through $2,500, $2,800 a day. But nine months down the road, like if we were doing this in, in July of last year, nine months down the road, your linear plan got shot to yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, More than yeah. that. <laughs> right. And I don't know if we're a cleaner or swearing podcast, so I'll keep it clean. I right. It, it got blown up. It got blown up. And, and so people are looking at me and being like, dude, why am I planning? Why would I even do this? Yeah. Because you can't plan. Well, here's where the plan is important because every step in the plan brings an inflection point. You have three choices and you ask yourself, what's the best thing that could happen at this inflection point? What's the worst thing that could happen? And what's the most likely thing that could happen? Right. 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 Our goal of the plan is most likely, most likely, most likely, most likely. And that's how you get your straight line plan to a million bucks. Right. But what if you have a best case scenario? You bring in a client and they need you to fulfill a huge order that takes you from a million bucks to half a million bucks with one client. Yeah. Right. That's going to blow up your plan because now you need to make sure you can serve that client. They're a huge client. They, you need to fulfill, you need to make sure they're happy. Yeah. Just to but it I mean, changes the my rest. Gu- my guess is Zoom had that conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, exactly. Best case scenario for, for Zoom was, you know, March 15th of, of this year when every business in America that could went virtual. Yeah. And that was not part of their plan. No. <laughs> no, no, no. And no, for no, the no. rest of us that all now are back in our houses or in our houses and we're not going out, we're not seeing each other. That's a worst case scenario. Now, you wouldn't have said COVID pandemic takes over the world, but in a business, a worst case scenario could be global recession. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's one worst case scenario. And what are you going to do in a global recession? And that's part of your plan. It's like, all right, if you do it, you've got your linear plan, then you've got best case and you've got worst case. And then if you want to get super into it. Each best case now becomes a spider web one, one way, each worst case goes a spider web the other way. I don't advocate that for most businesses. Yeah. Uh, we're not running, you know, Apple or Amazon because that's what they do. Right. But if you ask that question along the way, um, you're going to have a better chance of hitting your target. You know, I don't know how old your audience is, but back in the eighties, Reagan wanted this star Wars missile yep. defense that yep. if the Russians fired a missile at us, that we'd be able to shoot it down yep. and it would essentially end, you know, the, the threat of nuclear war. Well, they built it conceptually, hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars, whatever it costs, um, you know, use whatever inflation rate you want. And they figured out that if they were one one thousandth of a second late in firing off the missile, they would miss their target by 130,000 miles. Oh, yeah. No, it's insane. Yeah, (laughs) I totally (laughs) see that, yeah. And they're like, all right, this doesn't work. Because at that time, we didn't have whatever drone-like auto thrusters that could keep moving the thing in the right direction. In your business, you do, though. Yeah. Because if you're not on target, all right, what do we want to tweak? And without having that written plan, that strategic plan, that marketing plan, you're not going to get there. That was a really long-winded way of answering the question. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but no, hopefully no. it puts some, some, some ideas in some people's minds. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think the – I mean, there's also the other side of it. There's the analysis paralysis, right? I think the, the fine line between planning and – too much planning and too little planning is the thing that I've always tried to figure out. Most people don't plan enough. That's I, just by definition because – most people just don't do that because it's hard to like do what you say. What are the, what's the upside? What's the downside? What's the best case? What's the worst case? You know, if, if you're in like emergency management or you're a, you're a threat assessment person, this is your life. Um, how do you, how do you not do too much analysis? How, how do you, is there a such thing as over planning? Well, yes. And um, it's, I love the questions because it's like you, 
we planned this before. We actually didn't. This is just a real <laughs> organic conversation. He's just teeing me up in every single possible way. Um, the the reason I I in a normal world do a two day retreat get you in whether it's into your conference room or even out of the office into like a hotel suite or or, or go somewhere is because we got to get this done. Right. The reason most people don't have plans is because they write down notes, but they never take the time to do it. And they're in constant state of planning and or they make a goal and they leave it at that. Those are the two options, too yeah. little or too much. Yeah. So I like to lock it in to two days in this world, a couple of phone calls and we're done. I mean, our plan is written and, and you're off and running. So you got to put a time constraint mm-hmm. on your plan mm-hmm. and start doing it. The point of the plan is not the plan. The point of the plan is the action steps it's going to tell you to take. So take two hours, everyone out there, take two hours, block it off on your calendar and say, where do I, where do I want to be in pick your time frame? 30 days, 90 days, a year, three years, five years. Doesn't matter. Pick your time frame and write it down. Here's what I want in five years. And on the other side of the piece of paper or on your whiteboard, say, here's where I am today. And it's not just financial. Right? How yeah. many employees do you want? Do you want an office? Do you want multiple offices? Yeah. Do you want employees? All of those things. And just spend two hours saying, here's what I want. Right? And most people could get it done in less than two hours, but lock yourself in to that two hour window. And now you know what you want. Then block off another two hour window saying, here's where I am. Here's what I want. I know those two things. What do I need to do to get there? And now you've got the outline of your plan. You just outlined your entire plan in less than four hours uh, of what you want to do. Now, when I come in, the reason people bring me in is because I get to pull things out of your head. Right. I get, and I get to tell you that you had a stupid idea <laughs> or that that's not congruent with your model. Or I don't that think you, you, yeah, you do, probably don't do say this. stupid as much. <laughs> but I love I, that. I, I, well, I, <laughs> Maybe I've you been do. known to. I've been known to. I can, I can be a little raw and a little rough well, with my clients yeah. when I think they need it. Well, yeah, um, yeah I can yeah. be gentle as well. Well, no, I, um, and I appreciate that. No, no, I mean, I think I think that, that so this is what I was trying to get at, which, which I find very fascinating. I mean, I... I used to be in the semiconductor business, which is rigid, spec-driven process, planning, you know, takes, you know, tens of weeks to build a chip. I mean, we would go through these scenarios like all the time. And it was all about like loading the fab and where we wanted to be and building capacity and all these things that you're saying at the at sort of a small business level we were doing for a billion dollar company because you had to. Um, but the process was the process we were following that allowed us to make these sort of decisions. And, and I I just think the, the, such the interesting thing about this is not, not so much that, um, you know, goals are good. Like you'll have people that'll kind of, you know, may debate whether or not, oh, you don't really need a goal. You need a process to a goal or you need like, don't focus on the outcome, focus on the process that you go through. Um, which I find really interesting because it, while it's okay to have goals, like, okay, I want to, you know, I want to get a million dollar run rate or whatever. If you don't have the process in place to kind of see where you're at along the way, then the number is almost meaningless because I, I like, I like the fact that you said that, you know, someone will bring like, yeah, I want to do $10 million next year and they're at 500 grand. You're like, well, that's probably stupid. <laughs> it's probably a dumb thing, you know, <laughs> probably not going to be, you're probably going to be disappointed. So how how does how does the planning goal setting kind of how do you how do you put reality into it like that is that hard to do it itself is not hard to do and coming from the semiconductor world you you probably know it's not hard to do the doing it is the hard part yeah right, right. um now in in my personal process um you know, I, I help my clients track KPIs. Hmm. What are those, you know, right. key performance indicators right. that I know I'm on track, right? And if you've got a team and everyone has the plan, you put on the calendar, whether it's weekly, biweekly, or monthly, here's our plan. What are we tracking, right? I said, we've got those, um, those strategic initiatives that are the, the framework hmm. and the tactics feed those strategic initiatives. So it's like, all right, on strategic initiative number one, where are we? Have we done A, B, and C? 
are we still on track for our goal? And you do that for each one. And every business, every goal, and I hate the term goals, and I can rant about that in a second. <laughs> um, I talk about expectations with my clients. Right. Um, but every expectation that you set for what you want at the end of the year is going to have a tracking mechanism. Mm. If it's implementing a software, research softwares, identify software you want, negotiate price for software, right. bring in software, implement software, right. track that software's working, right? That's its its own little plan, but we know the steps. All right, we're behind on this. It's going to take eight weeks in order to get the implementation created. All right, if we've got eight weeks, what does that look like for our end goal? Are we going to be able to do X, Y, and Z? So having points to track without getting some businesses are going to get super analytical, just like some people are going to over plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a spreadsheet to the ninth decimal place <laughs> of where you are. It can be just checking boxes along the way and identifying, all right, are we ahead? Or are we behind? What's our holdup? Wow. Or what do we do with that extra capacity? So I, the reason why I hype myself and be like, call me because I'm going to save you time, effort, and resources in trying to do it yourself. But most importantly, if you call me, then I can say, hey, here's what's worked yeah. for XYZ company. Right. I've worked with a thousand small businesses in 20 years in some capacity or another. I've seen a lot of stuff. Cut that learning curve yeah. from um, what, what you want to do. You know, and it, just to go back to the goals thing, it's a, whatever, $5 trillion business probably in, yeah. in the goal setting. Of course. Right. Yeah. Um, and statistically, people will tell you that 97 plus percent of goals never yeah. actually happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I believe And it. why? Partially, it's the plan. But more importantly, it's the expectation. You know, it's weird. We don't have a goal that our employees are going to show up for work. You didn't have a goal that I was going to show up at, at noon today to record this. You expected it. When we flip a light switch, we don't have a goal that the light's going to turn on. We expect it, <laughs> right, right? Right, right. And so why do we expect everything in our life, but we set goals for ourselves, hmm. right? It was something that I don't know if I, I probably didn't invent it. You know, everything's been invented in some way or so it's been said in some way. Right. But we set these goals and they don't come true. Why not? Well, one of the things that I believe is internally, we don't buy it, right? We want to make a hundred grand this year, but internally, we don't think we're worthy or we don't think it's going to happen. We expect to make 25. If you've got a goal that you're going to make a hundred and you expect to make 25, what do you think you're going to make? Yeah. You'll make the expectation. Yeah. Right. So that doesn't mean reduce our goal to our expectation. That means how do we get ourselves to expect more, not want more, expect more. And again, part of that is if you have a plan and you can look at your plan and be like, oh, all I have to do is A, B, and C. And if I do those three things, I'm going to get D. Your expectations go up just because you read it or because you looked at it. Hmm. You know, I've never heard it put that way. I mean. That the whole goal setting and, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I get why people do it. And, and again, it's, I think, I think goals are more of a, like a, an unbaked plan. You know, it just seems to me that like, if you had a goal, you're like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. You're like, okay, well then how are you going to do that? It's always like the process to get there because let's say you don't hit 20, but you hit 15 still good. Right. I think, yeah. you know, like the expectation, I, I like the way you put it as an expectation because expectations are different than concrete things. Um, yeah. And they're flexible, a little more flexible. I mean, we used to do all these goals when I was at the semiconductor company. We used to have these things called critical success factors every quarter. We'd set these goals. They were percentage of whatever, you know, and they were almost binary. It's like, oh, did you? launch the product or no? <laughs> and you're like, well, what happens if the fat blows up? Like, I can't control that. Like, right. And, and so you just got frustrated and it was, you know, some managers were super aggressive on setting goals. Others weren't. So, you know, if you got 50% of your goals done, you were lucky, you know, 
it's just because it was just ridiculous how the goals were so aggressive yet everyone expected you to hit these aggressive goals and you kind of really didn't have a process to do that. Do you, do you apply all this planning and process stuff to your own personal life or is, is it do you have um, a balance there? Or? I, I wish I had a better balance. I, you know, it's the, the old, whatever the shoemaker's son um, scenario. And I think that's true for everybody. Um, I do. So I, I've, I did my own strategic planning process on my business. Oh, okay. I gave it to uh, a consultant friend of mine to, you know, pressure test different areas, um, you know, ask different questions. Um, should I be more diligent on it? Yeah. I mean, j- just like all of us, um, I need to do a better job. And that's why I hire people to hold me accountable, right? Right now, I've got a marketing coach. For myself, I've got an more of an accountability coach that works with me in, in a variety of ways. One sends me an email with my for my KPIs, oh. right? My performance indi- my key performance indicators, which are really how many people did I talk to, how many people do because I've got an online system, which is you know a fifty two week program to build a business. From startup to the end, people can sort of jump in in the middle if they want to. But I mean, it tells you this is what your business card should look like, and this is why. Oh wow! Right. Wow. Um, if you're trying to make money in your business, why do you have a business card that isn't engaging? That's a whole separate story. But I've got a, a, a program. Like, how many people do I need to get enrolled in my program? Yeah. How many people do I need to partner with? I've got a partner. I'm doing a, a two day event. Um, it starts Wednesday night, but it's Thursday and Friday. Um, and we do it once a month. So no matter when you're listening, uh, we do it once a month. It's virtual and it's a, it's a, it's a meetup and marketplace. People come together. We teach you how to sell. We work on your sales pitch. We train you on how to ask people about what they're doing. So they tell you what they want rather than you just telling people what they're supposed to buy from you. And then people sell to each other at the event. And as part of my work there, I enroll people in my in my program. I give it to them for free for 90 days for paying, you know, to be in the event. How many of those did I do? And then how many meetings did I have? How many club, businesses, sales did I close? How many people left? Right. So part of my accountability is he sends me this KPI email. Every time I get that email, I shudder a little bit, <laughs> right? Because that. now I've got to be accountable. I got to yeah. put into this system yes. that he is tracking um, on a on a graph yeah. of what I'm doing. What we're, what am I doing? So yes, I have. I've got different coaches. I'm also a big believer one that everyone should have a coach, and that's not self serving. Right. Um, although it is self serving, but I don't mean it that way. Right. Uh, but I do it myself. Like I can't go out and sell coaching and then not have a coach. Right. Karma is going to say no one buy from this guy. Yeah. Right. And true. my sales will suck because I'm not living and being truthful. Yeah. You're not so people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so somebody that's unrelated to you that doesn't have a stake in what you're doing that will tell you the truth and be like, good idea, bad idea. Don't placate. Don't get someone who's going to placate you because then you're going to get yourself in trouble. And I'm not saying you need a coach who's going to beat you up and tell you you're doing everything wrong. You might on some things, but on others, they're going to be like, hey, that's working. Get after it. How can I help you get after it? How do we think about more? How do we do more of that? Right. That's where a coach comes in to think about it differently. And it's true if, if you're in a corporate job, right? In a corporate job, you still have goals. You still have expectations of your boss. You still want to get promoted or, or improve. In those, get a mentor, get a coach, get someone that can, that can hold you accountable, that can lift you up that can let you know it's okay when you don't feel so okay. Um, I think it's super important. Um, I don't know what tangent I just went on down there, but. Um, no. That's... Oh yeah. I don't, I, I should do it better myself, but I do hire people to hold me accountable. So I do it better myself, not trying to self coach. That's wow. I mean, that's a great place to end. Adam really appreciate your time and your insights and taking this deep dive into coaching and planning and strategy and you know really you know having a plan that's i think the nut of it (laughs) if you got a plan you can work the plan right 
Exactly. Jari, thanks for having me here. Thanks for the platform. Thanks to the audience. Hopefully you guys uh, found that entertaining, valuable. One last thing. I think I, it, on the on making more money, because a lot of people are going to say, Adam, plan's great, but I need money right now. You can, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but go get my book, free book from adam.com. It is eight strategies to make more money without spending a dollar more in advertising. And it's plan driven. It's step one, go do it. Step two, go do it. Step three, it's free. It'll cost you an email address. I won't spam you. I won't beat you up. I don't sell anything through email, but go get the book. It'll get you started. And once you have a little bit of money in your pocket, all of a sudden the world's going to open up to you. Yeah. A lot of people need a little money in their pocket right now. That's for sure. So great. Thanks for that. Thanks again. And uh, stay safe. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.